Hi, this is C3. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Jordan. So grab a cocktail, have a seat while we talk about some crime and our crippling depression. Why are you depressed today? Well, you see, my cat went for a routine dental checkup today, which may or may not have involved anesthesia. It was supposed to cost nothing and ended up costing close to $1,500 while he's at an overnight vet right now. Living the dream. Yeah, it's a 10 out of 10. What about you, Jordan? Why do you have crippling depression today? Honestly, today it was solely the fact that work dragged and I felt like I was there for 14 hours. And it was silent with no music. And that's on. Because the Bluetooth speaker did not work. Period. Period. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, tell me why you wanted to start a podcast. Um, Honestly, I'm here to support you because I think we're funny. So I think it's going to be okay. But also, I know that your dream is to do something where you feel free to talk about whatever you want, do what makes you happy, and not have to work at Wally World for the rest of your life. 100%. So that answers the question. She answered my question for me, which is I decided to start a podcast. One, because I listen to Wine and Crime a lot, and they're my favorite podcast, and kind of inspired me to do something in a similar format. I'm going to try and change it up, obviously, because I don't want to copy and paste those ladies' hard work. But uh, I would like to eventually get out of the retail world that I'm in. There's a lot that I have in store and planned, so anyone who would like to support us, just sit down for the ride, because we're we're going somewhere. Just not sure where yet. Can only go up from here. Yes. This is literally rock bottom. So... (laughs) Uh, Jordan's going to go ahead and take us away. We're each going to cover a case. This episode, we don't really have a theme for the crimes. Moving forward, that's what we're going to attempt to do. But this time, we're just kind of free-balling it. So I'm going to let Jordan take it away. Okay, so I'm covering The Summerton Man, which is a case that has always bothered me. I took it personal, like it's my business, but... It recently had some developments in it, so I just wanted to cover it as the first episode and tell Colin about it because he has no clue what it is. So, on December 1st, 1948, a well-dressed man was found on an Australian beach, obviously named Summerton. He was found by a man named Neil Day at 6.30 that morning. He was an amateur jockey practicing on the beach. Two couples had seen him the night before and thought he was drunk or homeless, slumped against a rock wall. One couple said that they saw his arm move and then there was no other movement and his head was surrounded by like mosquitoes and flies and he wasn't swatting them away. So they really just thought he was shammered, had a great night. <laughs> night that I'm trying to have after today. Honestly, might be there after these drinks. So, Which reminds me, I'm going to cut her off real quick while I inform you guys, because we're supposed to pair a cocktail with every episode. Keep in mind, this is the second time we've recorded this episode. First time did not go that well, but I'm going to tell you the cocktail I tried to pair with it, which was a strawberry blonde, and there was... Four ounces of tequila rose, one ounce of orange liquor, two ounces of banana liquor, one ounce of spiced rum, and two ounces of strawberry puree. Just so everyone's aware, it tastes like gasoline, the end. So I bought some 98 cent chichis, which are (laughs) pina colada flavored from Walmart, and... They are very effective. (laughs) I am feeling it. Very effective. 12.5% alcohol. It's a nice way to get turned. It's a better buzz ball. Now that I interrupted her for that. and take it away. When police arrived, that he, they saw that he had a nice suit but was missing a hat, which was strange for the time because obviously, you know, it's 1940s. Hats are a thing. You got to do your little jazz dance to go into work, you know. Um, his shoes were also extremely polished, so the main investigators didn't believe that he walked onto the beach himself because there would have been sand, something in there. I mean, they were like pristine, clean, freshly shined. 
Um, he did have a cigarette behind his ear and a half-smoked one between his collar and cheek because since he was slumped on the wall, it kind of got stuck in where like his double chin would be from mm-hmm. photos. Um, he was taken in for an autopsy and was described as the following by John Dwyer, who did the autopsy. He's 5'11 with gray eyes and fair to ginger hair and had gray hair around his temples. He was believed to be in his late 30s or 40s. He had broad shoulders and a thin waist and top physical conditions. His hand and nail showed no signs of manual labor. His big and little toe met at a wedge shape like someone who wore boots with pointed toes or a dancer, especially because of his well-pronounced calf muscles. His heart was of normal size, as long with his brain, stomach, and kidneys, but his liver was filled with blood, as well as his spleen being extremely enlarged. It was acute gastritic hemorrhage that killed him. Dwight said that if it was a poison, it would have been a glucoside, but he was also unable to find a true cause of death. John Cleland also came in later, around June time, to take a look at the body, and was convinced there was poison, but was also shocked that no one reported any convulsions when they saw him on the beach other than his arm moving. So if it was a glucoside, he would have been vomiting, basically seizing, until his death. Um, There was no identification on the man's body. He had no tattoos or identifiable marks. All the tags on his clothes had been taken off. And he was found with a few things in his pocket. They found half a pack of juicy fruit gum, an unused train ticket to Henley Beach, a used bus ticket to Langle for 10.45 a.m. the previous day. He also had a comb cigarettes, which were a much more expensive brand and like a cheap pack. So basically taking like some camel Turkish and putting them in like the 99 cent packs from the gas station. He had a handkerchief and matches. As Cleveland was looking at the clothes, he found a sewn in inner pocket of his pants, which used an orange thread. It held a small rolled piece of paper that was cut neat and read thumb and should which translates to it's finished they found it to be a part of a collection of poems called the rubiot by omar ryan they decided to preserve his body to help with the identification later on they also made a death mask of him which was really big in the time it's basically plaster mold of your face and they just cast it um so yeah they had that just taking them with them to interview people which i think is pretty cool something that we don't do a lot today because we have photos and clay reconstructions but very cool for the time In January 1949, the suitcase was found in the Adelaide train station. It had shown up on November 30th and had never been picked up. Nothing out of the ordinary was in it. There were some clothing items labeled with the name T. Keen. They looked into the name, but it led nowhere, and investigators believe he did it on purpose to hide himself. There were also fabrics and threads that were not available in Australia, but America. Which I think this is cool, because at the time, there wasn't a big trade between fabrics. So it was specifically this orange thread that he had already used was only found in America as well as his jacket that was kept in there because of the type of sewing. The other thing that they found was a kit. Um, It included a cut down table knife, two pairs of scissors, a screwdriver, pencils, and zinc, and a stenciling brush. And this was all like within range of the body that was discovered? No. So this is at the train station. So this is back in January. So this is a little bit later on after he's found. The railroad station decided to report it to police because it had never been picked up. Um, So these are just things that they found in the suitcase that belonged to him because it was the same day that he took his train ride into town. Okay, so his suitcase was found at this train station. Yes. Sorry, I'm a little confused. Um, So suitcase was found at this train station. His body was found at the beach? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's found on the beach, dead. Slump. Neck broke looking. (laughs) Neck broke looking. He's done. Mm Mm-hmm. But... As they're trying to figure out who this man is and have no clues, the train station reports this missing luggage, which it all matches back to him because there's the same orange thread. Mm-hmm. And the, the sewing, like the stitching from the sewing machine, yeah. matches the suit that he was wearing for a different jacket that he had. Okay. I don't know what planet I was on thinking of the suitcase was on the beach with him, but you know. Honestly, I think it would have been a little mm-hmm. bit more convenient, but homie had plans <laughs> to hide. I mean, he did what he had to do. Okay, so the who had plans to hide? The Summerton man. He did not want to be found. The dead guy? Yeah, the dead guy. Okay. Or whoever killed him. Okay. Or who didn't kill him. 
Who didn't? Who knows? That's still not an answer, okay. which it bothers me. But yes. we'll get there because there's a lot of shady things. Okay. And let me tell you, that man was killed. That man Period. Was killed. Period. Like I mean, on murder. Uh, I wouldn't just. I'd imagine that if his suitcase is one place and his body is another, he was probably murdered. And he did have a lot of weird things in his pockets, too. And his suitcase was very much so like a different kind of job. Um, investigators actually believe that he was um, someone that worked on a merchant ship that would stencil the cargo because a lot of those things were very common for that kind of job. So pretty cool stuff. After information of the Rubiot was published in the papers, a man came forward saying that he had found the book in the backseat of his car on November 30th. So out of nowhere, this man just has this book in his backseat and decides to report it once he hears it in the news. So... Don't be suspicious. He normally, Don't be suspicious. Literally. He says that he normally left his car unlocked and he was never looked at as a suspect because he was a well-known businessman, so his name was kept out of the records. And the back of the book was five lines of capital letters with the second line being crossed out. They were unable to crack the code and it was even sent to naval intelligence. There was also a number of a nurse named Jessica Thompson, who also went by Justin in the front of the book. I think you're a little bit shady if you have a completely different name but that's not my business live your life do what makes you happy Tom, i'm confused again who has a different name so jessica thompson is mm-hmm. the nurse who has her number in the front of the book okay. but she goes by justin justin jessica and justin like j-e-s-t-y-n what the fuck yeah is that like a girl justin i guess i don't know i mean that was just her nickname I'm not going to judge her. Live your life. I'm Have whatever judging. nickname makes you I'm happy. I'm fully judging <laughs> Justin. Sorry. So here's where it gets really interesting about her, I think, other than some later facts that obviously you'll find uh, out. You know, the potential murder. <laughs> well, she lived five minutes away from where he was found, and the police met with her, and she told them that she once owned a copy of the book, but she gave it to a soldier that she met named Alfred Boxel. She said she did not know who the Summerton man was or why her number was found in his book. She was shown a copy of the death mask and she looked faint like she saw a ghost and would not look back at it. Number one, if you look at something and you don't want to look at it again, I get it's creepy. It's weird. But how are you going to say you don't know him and then you look at it like, oh shit, and then decide like, I just don't look at it. They won't know anything. Yeah. Like, ring the alarm. Sorry. Beyonce made a song for a reason. Anyone named Justin, they did it. Murdered. (laughs) J names out. I'm roasting myself. It's okay. 100%. They did ask if she knew where Alfred was, and she said that she didn't know. I find this weird because she was really reluctant to help, and then her name was in the book, and it was a bunch of love poems. So how are you not going to remember who this dude is or not know anything about him when this is kind of close to when you gave him the book? It's not like it's a, oh, nice little tales. It's literally like love poems about like, I want to be dust in the wind for you. Like... You would know who you gave it to. She proceeded to tell them that a man came by her neighborhood and was asking questions about her when she was at work and he was using her name. She claimed she forgot about it until now while she was being investigated. Alfred was later found and he still had his original copy with Tom and Shud still intact. He had tried to reach out to Jessica after returning from war, but she requested he not write her back as she was now a married woman. Plot twist. The two had met at a hotel before he left for war in 1945, and the book was a keepsake present. She wrote him a quote in the front of the book. Because of this was the main theory that the Summerton man was a spy, as there was a connection between Boxel and Jessica. Boxel was reportedly involved in intelligent work after World War II. In a 1978 television interview, Stuart Littlemore asked, Mr. Boxel, you had been working, hadn't you, in the intelligence unit before you met a young woman? Talking about Jessica. Did you talk to her about it at all? 
Boxel says no. And when he asks if Jessica could have known, Boxer replies, not unless someone else would have told her. One little more suggests in the interview that there may have been an espionage connection to the dead man. And Adelaide Boxer replies, it's quite a melodramatic thesis, isn't it? How is that melodramatic? This man was dead on the beach. And you're going to say, mm, I don't know about that. Another reason to like, be shady. Like, didn't believe that he was dead? Like, just didn't believe that he had anything to do with any kind of military intelligence. Or was just, like, hanging out and dead on the beach. He had no connection, didn't know nothing. Wait, so the guy who's dead didn't know anything about the military? Like, wasn't Supposedly. in the military? Okay. And Boxel is claiming he didn't know him, and neither is Jessica, who are their two main suspects. The, we think that the dead guy was in the military? <laughs> kind of. It's kind of hard to tell what he really did for work. I'll kind of get into it in a little bit. Okay. But the guess is right now is that he's some kind of spy with a different job on the side. Okay. Like he presents as one thing in the daytime is a spy at night. Mm. There was also another man named Joseph and he was found in June 1945. Found on the same beach the same way. He had been ingested in poison and it was ruled a suicide. There was a bottle of lemonade next to him that had a powdered substance inside it and he was had a newspaper date at May 20th. He was also reading the Rubiot and there was a mark around the line, make the most of what we yet may spend before we do into the dust descend. Dust into dust and under dust to lie sands why sand song and sun singer and sun's to end. The area he was found was a walking distance from the hotel that Jessica and Boxel would get drinks at that summer. Once again, extremely close to both of them. His copy may have been a fake since there was only so many original copies printed. It was one of those books where they really didn't expect you to have a lot of people wanting it. So yeah. kind of just later reproductions of it. A bohemian club named Packy's is where they thought they all kind of maybe knew each other from. It was kind of an underground place. A lot of radical information was kind of around there. So they wanted to look at the like old sign-in book, but they didn't do any kind of sign-ins except for special events. And when they looked, they never found anything of any of them on there or anybody out of the ordinary to kind of identify the Summerton man. So Derek Abbott, he's a professor. He took a lot of interest in the case and he decided to spend time looking kind of at everything that he could, re-examine the case. He didn't find anything. So over the years, a lot of the information from the original case, like his autopsy, original autopsy report, you know, pictures, all this stuff has been lost. There's no original items, anything. So he decided to look back into Boxel and Jessica. He noticed that she moved a lot and he felt that it was really intentional. They were able to find Justin and a son named Robin. Him and the Summerton man had a lot of identical features. Right, he had so Justin's with a new guy that has a lot of identical features to the Summerton man. So Justin was married to that dude and that's why her and Boxel didn't meet up when he came back. Mm. She's married to that dude. She has a kid with him. But this kid has a lot of features that resemble the Summerton man. Okay. So they want to do oh, DNA so tests on him. She had, had an affair with him. Man's child. Mm -hmm. Okay. So forgive me, folks, because those chichis be hitting different. I definitely poured four of them into one glass. So like, I'm toasty. So they had the same ear and jaw rarities that is found in one to two percent of the whole population. So Derek Abbott actually decided to test it. He was not his son. So. Homegirl so, had an affair with the Summerton man, and then did she not want her current man to find out, so they murdered the Summerton man? Or did the current man murder the Summerton man after finding out? And then she's like, oh my god, I'm having your baby, and then plot twist, that fucking baby is the Summerton man's baby. So, the big plot twist is Robin is not the Summerton man's son. They have the same 1-2% to rarities, but they are not related genetically. Okay. Well... So she still definitely could have slept with back. him. I know. I, I wanted my money back too when I found this out. I was pretty upset because I was like, 
So it's not her current man's baby, but it's not the dead man's baby either. So it's definitely for sure not the dead man's baby. Okay. It might be her man's. I don't know if they tested him or not. I thought you said they tested that too. Mm -mm. Okay. Guys, I'm drunk. (laughs) So my personal fun fact for this case is that Derek Abbott marries Robin's daughter. So the dude's Justin's son that he DNA tested, he marries his daughter. Justin is female. Yes. Robin is her son. Okay. He had children. Derek Uh marries Robin's daughter. Justin has a son. Uh Named Robin. Robin has children. Derek marries the daughter. Who's Derek? The investigator. The professor. That cracks the code on this case. Oh. Okay. So the professor marries Robin's daughter? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And Jessica, a.k.a. Justin... Has a big problem with this because she thinks that he is using her for information. So it's like this Modern big conspiracy problems, theory. And by that I mean old time problems require old time solutions. I mean, you do what you gotta do. Not that I think that's what it was about. But another fun fact about Jessica is she knew Russian. What regular schmegular lady knows Russian that has no Russian descent? Fucking 1949. <laughs> you know, like, it's not the time where Russian's just a casual everyday language. Like, that is not common, but she's fluent. Mm. Her daughter knows it and she does not like to talk about it. Like, her mother is not about it. They don't want to talk about it. Nothing. So, you think there's like maybe some spy shit going on? I think so. I think her and Boxel definitely, because she was a military nurse. So I think she definitely was like a little bit of a spy on the side, like got the tea, went out in town and like kind of got information out of people somehow, some way. So do we think, this is a theory, mm. speculate, um, mm-hmm. Summerton Man was in the military and Homegirl was like getting it because she wanted information because Homegirl's a Russian spy. I mean, you believe what you want to believe. I will tell you what is for sure about him. The only things that we know are positive. Okay. But there could be a lot of things about him that are different than what we're finding out right now. So it remains a cold case, obviously. 2009 Mm -hmm. comes around. Derek Abbott decided to look at it again with DNA because DNA is like hot in the scene. It's really getting good. They can do a lot of things. So he used hair that was left in the death mask. Like he got caught in the plaster and he pulls that hoe out of there. And he's like, I'm testing this bitch for DNA. So he does so. And on July 26, 2022, it comes back with a match. Okay. So this is who the Summerton Man is. This is all we know for sure. So is this is this about to be a DNA match? Because someone did fucking like 23andMe. Basically, yes. Okay. Some bitch decided to do a 23andMe and they were like, oh, this is close enough. We're going to use it. And then they find descendants and it's actually pretty cool. Okay. Continue. So Summerton Man is actually a dude named Carl Webb. Um, he was born November 16th, 1905, and he was the youngest of six children. He was 43 at the time of his death, and he was married to a woman named Dorothy Robertson. But they had separated, and he left in April of 1947. She later went and filed for a divorce since her husband had left and had no fucking clue where he went. Oh, so he just said... Yeah, he just peaced I, out I'm on her. Out. He, they were having issues, and he was like, peace, and left. Yeah. You know? So, I mean... Guess do what you gotta do. Boundaries, I guess. I guess instead of beating women in those times, you just had to leave them. So I guess <laughs> do whatever makes you happy. So soon after she decided to file for divorce, since he was gone, she moved to South Australia. Abba believes that he came back to find his wife, not knowing where she had moved. So he went to America. Obviously, had American clothes. You couldn't get him in Australia. He did a little travel, maybe went around the world. You know, explored. Um, they also think that the codes that were in his pocket were gambling codes for horse races because. 
Carl was a really big gambler in his day. Loved to gamble on horses. So they're thinking that those codes were something to do with some kinds of bets. Um, and the labels that were removed from his clothes were solely for comfort. He was not a fan. It was a sensory issue, not living for it. Um, and he was actually not a spy, but a Melbourne electrical engineer. And that explains his boots, explains his calves. He wore the wedged boots. He walked around, looked at work sites, a lot of crazy stuff. But as of today, when we are recording, it is still not 100% confirmed by police, the, the, any theories or anything about him, but that is who he is. So we at least so, have an answer of who so the summer team is. is. But they didn't even confirm like any official suspects or anything. No suspects they... or anything have been found out. So I personally think, yes, he was an electrical engineer. Where did he go? Who did he meet? What did he find out that he was not supposed to know that he ended up dead on a beach? And if so, number one, why did that businessman have the book in the back of his car? Why does Jessica know Russian? Why is everybody shady? Why does Jessica go by Justin? I want to know. That's, I honestly want to know. That's the real question here, folks. I think it's because she killed a man that she wanted to not be connected with her real name. And I said what I said. Period. But also, like, cancel Justin. It's a no for me, dog. I'm pretty sure she's dead. If she's not dead, she's probably on death's door. She's pretty old. Well, that's what you get. I feel like the 1940s were quite a long time Justin. ago. But yeah, but that's my case. Um, I'm pretty drunk. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, um, um, so it was probably really horrible telling, 100%. but it's very interesting. Um, I try to do it as much justice as I could, especially because it's still an ongoing cold case that's kind of getting solved. I guess that's kind of our theme. Cold cases, recent discoveries, seeing how they're going. So that was my case. So thanks for listening. Mine is not at all in line with hers, so I don't really think there's a theme. Also, I promise we'll get better as time goes on. We're both just anxious motherfuckers, and I, I promise we're funny. You just gotta, like, gotta give us time. So give us a couple episodes. If you don't like us by episode 10, then I give you permission to we're continue to listen because lot. I don't want to lose any listeners. But if you really feel that strongly, just keep listening. I promise. It won't be terrible. All right, so moving on to me. And it's kind of funny that the serial killer I'm going with is nicknamed the werewolf because I've been a slut for werewolf shit recently. Is he hairy or is it just like he's the werewolf because like wolf wolf? I'm going to get there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not my business. Yeah. Especially with the rise of the new teen wolf movie and everything like that. Tyler Posey could kill me and I would thank him. Dylan O'Brien could literally smack me in the face and I would... Thank God every night before I go to bed, and I would never clean my face again. Tyler Posey, please hit me with your car. Quite literally, I could be murdered, and I'd be like, as long as it's him, I'm cool. All right. Uh, I'm pretty sure, like, you've probably heard of this, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard of this, but I just looked up serial killers with the highest kill count, because I wanted to see, like, what all was out there. You went for a full drama. Yeah. Oh, 100%, because yours wasn't solved, so mine had to be solved. Okay. So I'm going with the case of Mikhail Popkov. I don't know if you remember him at all. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. But I won't say anything. I'll let you bamboozle me. This one's well known. So I don't know why Jordan's it would be called gonna, a werewolf, but Jordan's gonna pretend. Pretend she shooketh while I go I over this. Probably will be. <laughs> all right. So we got Mikhail Popkov, who was born on March seventh, nineteen sixty four. And forgive me for my pronunciations, but Norisk, Russia. His family moved to Angarsk. Mikhail stayed behind and lived with his grandparents for a while. When he was taken home to Angarsk, this was his first time meeting his little sister. He hadn't known his mother was pregnant when they had moved. This would be the beginning spark of his hatred for women. He grew resentment. Yeah, I mean, men, first of all. Second of all, 
Um, Sorry, your he, mother wasn't pure. <laughs> don't have to tell you. I don't know how you yeah. thought you came into the world, but whatever. That part. Yeah. He grew resentment for his little sister because she was given all the attention and he was frequently ignored, which, like, this man hits all the marks for going to become a serial killer. So, like, if you're trying to turn your child into one, ignoring them is He's a good way to go about it. definitely an Andrew Tate fan, I'm going to assume. Oh, 100%. Okay, as long as we're on the same page with who he is. Um, he claimed his mother abused him after graduating he attended technical school to become a mechanic then was in the military after his service he worked with his father digging graves then got a job at a local factory as a repairman in his adult life he married a woman named elena they later had a daughter named katarina so mikhail had run into a previous classmate who worked as a transit officer in angarsk and he talked mikhail into becoming a duty officer he later down the line found evidence of his wife cheating and chose he chose not to say anything because he wanted to raise his daughter in a complete home but this anger led him to develop a deep hatred for women so that coupling with the hatred for his mom ignoring him for his little sister so his killing spree lasted from 1992 to 2000 that's a full eight years before this fucker got caught. He began targeting women for having too much fun. He claimed he wanted to rid the city of unworthy women who exchanged family warmth for alcohol and other people's men. He reminds me of the Yorkshire Ripper. Like, big, similar motives. I know you probably don't know who that is, but... I've heard the name. Yeah, big motivations are the same. kind of a true crime baby, so, like, I've only started listening to stuff over the last year. Again, wine and crime is my, like, gateway into the true crime world on top of the new witches, and and that's why we drink. So, any anything they haven't covered, I haven't heard of, and I have not heard of the Yorkshire Ripper. Like, I've heard the name. I'll definitely have to cover him for you so you get, a, like, a first yes, so like, I'll be experience. Shook yeah, because let me tell you, you, it is something. Okay. He is a fucking psycho. But yeah, so anyways, this man really woke up and just chose toxic masculinity for his life. Most men Because, like, my wife cheated on me, so now I gotta murder women who want to have fun. Because we're slut-shaming. Anyways, he claimed he wanted to rid the city of unworthy women who exchanged family warmth for alcohol and other people's men. His nickname, the werewolf, came from the brutality of some of these killings, as well as the bite marks left on some of the victims. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yes, I see that. So, Twas not hairy. He was just brutal. Was he bald? I think he was. I can't. Fucking, it's always the bald men. Watch out. There will be pictures and stuff coupled with our cases. We just gotta like. I'm gonna Google him in the meantime so I can see. He used his status as a police officer to lure women into his vehicle. He would then drive them into the woods, make them remove their clothing, rape, and then kill them. One of the two surviving victims, Svetlana Miss Yafichas, was 17 at the time of the attack. She was on her way home from a friend's when Mikhail stopped and he offered her a lift. She stated in an interview, I thought it was safe to go with the policeman. I was cold from head to toe, so I accepted. She remembers him driving past her house and asking, where are we going? The next thing she recalled was him repeatedly banging her head against against a tree. He removed her clothing, leaving her totally naked. She was able to crawl out from underneath him, run to his car. He caught her, and she fell down some steps. She found passersby as she was running from him, who refused to help her. So, like, fuck them, first of all. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, though. I probably would not stop and help someone who's running down the street. Naked. Yeah. But, like... I mean, if I felt... Like, if I had like a significant other in the car someone who I knew could like protect me have my my gun in there we'd be good so like if stuff went awry yeah 
But just me casually, like on the way home from work, I'm not stopping because uh, I'm not I trying to like, get mugged and killed myself. So like if homegirl's just naked and nothing looks wrong, it's just like off, probably wouldn't stop. But she was probably very bloody and like clearly needed help. So the, I like to believe I would stop to help, but I also probably in the actual situation be like, um. No, thank you. Right. Nor. Yeah. It's a nor for me. Yeah. Like no clear. No. Mm, clear. Nor. <laughs> But um, she remembers seeing his car approaching. He attacked her again and left her for dead. The next thing she knew, she woke up in a morgue, passed out from shock because she had woken up in a morgue and woke up in a hospital. She had lost half her hair and was paralyzed down one side of her body and suffered brain damage. Oh, no. So, like, can you imagine you getting the fuck beat out of you and a man tries to murder you and then you wake up in a morgue because they thought you were dead? I want to know, like... Do they not have adequate testing at this time to make sure that she wasn't dead? Because, like, what if they would have started embalming her? Okay, so it said his killing spree lasted from 1992 to 2000. I mean, they should have so, had ways to detect that. They, Unless she so, just showed up like, at the morgue and then she was, like, resurrected, but you this know? Is, this is Russia. That's so true. it was cold I, as fuck, too. So uh, she was probably, she pretty chilly. like, heart slowed because she's bleeding. Heart slow because she's cold. That's fair. So it was probably, like... I'm just thinking, like, what if embalming had started and she woke up during being embalmed? She probably would have been long dead past that because they would have gotten to, like, the autopsy part and cut her open. And I then mean, she would have just died, died. Autopsy of Jane Doe, that movie's wild, but... I've never seen that movie. It's pretty good. Is that, is it, like, it's real life? Movie. It's a scary movie. It no, it's, like, fiction. a horror movie. Okay. But I mean, stuff mm. like that has happened to people. So okay. maybe I'll have to like <laughs> cover some of that shit for a case just for funsies. Svetlana was paralyzed on one side of her body and suffered brain damage. Svetlana even pointed him out in photos when telling the police a fellow officer had attacked her. The interview, they interviewed Mikhail. He denied everything, and his wife gave an alibi. His second surviving victim was 18 years old. This is going to sound awful, too, because I cannot pronounce this shit. Evgenia Potasova did better on the last name than the first one. Like the rest, he hit her head, stripped her naked, and raped her. He dressed in regular clothes when he offered her a ride, but showed his officer badge, even going as far to lure her by saying she should take a ride home from the police as there is a serial rapist and killer on the loose. After the attack, the next thing she remembered was waking up in the hospital. He thought he had strangled her to death in... Wait. Oh, no. I missed some stuff. But he thought he had strangled her to death. In 2012, they finally made a breakthrough in the case. They had begun reviewing evidence from the cases again. Evidence pointed towards the police when they realized tire tracks left at most of the scenes matched the vehicles typically driven by Siberian police. From there, they began DNA testing samples from current and former officers. They brought Mikhail in for an interview and exhumed other bodies to gather more DNA evidence. Once it was a confirmed match on June 23rd, 2012, he was arrested and charged with the murders of 22 women, which he confessed to in 2015. He was sentenced to life in prison, and both surviving victims testified in court in 2017, he confessed to 59 more murders, 56 of which they were able to confirm. In 2018, he was convicted of those murders and given another life sentence. In 2020, he confessed to two more murders, bringing, bringing his total of confessed being 83, 78 of them being confirmed. So, get this, while I'm researching this shit, his fucking wife and daughter don't believe he did it. I mean... Could you believe the man that you're married and or your father just killed that many people? 
if he's disappearing for long periods of time and I mean he could have lied to them and said he was on patrol my thing is is I think he was killing way after his supposed streak was over oh probably they could probably like, and go they back. just didn't find whoever they are which is really sad because you'd hope that they find them but that's a very long time to be if, cold I'm wondering if they're still looking at cases though and like maybe going back trying to connect some of them or if he'll confess to more or something but that's my thing like so like they go they're, they've been on television saying like they don't believe it and like they want to get him out of jail his daughter even like started I think don't quote me on this no one quote me on this they think she started I think she started some kind of like program or something to try and she wants to solve the murders herself because she doesn't believe her father did it but the man's like admitted to it so I just think it's disrespectful to the victims to be all like oh my husband didn't do it but they're dead so yeah I don't know I feel like it's just straight up denial probably denial because like, you had a, a child with that dude who legitimately just murdered a bunch of women and like you think to yourself I would think to myself at least like why did he not kill me like why am I the one that he married you know but he stopped why killing was after her because of her cheating which is probably she's maybe she has survivor's guilt or something something similar to it because I thought he started killing because she was cheating on him yeah that's why so like maybe yeah. she has like some guilt because of that because like since she was the one that was cheating maybe she like blames herself a little bit for some of the deaths so she doesn't want to admit that maybe I don't know hmm. I just definitely think it's denial for sure 100% because like A I can't imagine being like the wife or the child of a man who killed woman yeah but he loved Jews and like supported Jews. But he was out there murdering other people, like the same type of people as you. Like that'd be crazy to me mm-hmm. to like look at somebody and be like, "Wow, why not me? Like why was I safe?" You know? Well, because he didn't want to raise a family in a broken home. He I wanted, know, but still, so, so he's taking his anger out. On Just them. the concept of that shit's wild. In conclusion, men are stupid. Period. Very <laughs> <laughs> delayed. So I know felt a little rushed as we were telling our stories again. I promise we will get better as time goes on. So please just give us a chance. Um, we do have a Patreon. Uh, you can find us at C3 Podcast on Patreon. We have three tiers at the moment. A dollar is just going to be you have access to the bonus content and our bonus content currently that I have planned once I get some subscribers and we get going I'm planning on doing two different segments uh I think I'm gonna try bonus episodes once a month maybe twice a month do one episode of each my first segment is gonna be alphabet mafia media because in case any of you can't hear um gay um so I'm going to be either watching reading listening to any content that is lgbtq focused and reviewing it so send me your recommendations when it comes to that and i will as long as it's not like offensively stereotypical i will most likely watch it and or listen to or read it i have some stuff in mind already so send me your recommendations for that and i'm also planning on doing a cryptids like spinoff so like It'll be on Patreon, I want to say twice a month, that I'm going to be covering a different cryptid and interviewing either one of my friends or 
Jordan here, not interviewing, telling them about said <laughs> cryptid while they just drink and listen. I'd love we'll to be interviewed as a cryptid. And Jordan, uh, what's the segment that you're going to have going on? Uh, so I'm going to try to do kind of like some paranormal stuff, but I'm very morbidly interested in plane crashes because I like, I have a very big fear of flying. I've never flown because of my fear, but I'm very interested in the crashes and like the safety recommendations, kind of how the planes work. So I kind of want to cover some of those since, you know, that's not necessarily like most of them aren't malicious intent. It's something that goes wrong with the plane. So I kind of want to cover that and put that knowledge out there as well for you guys. So if any of that sounds interesting, if we even hopefully manage to giggle at least once or like maybe you were slightly shook at listening to our cases uh feel free to sign up especially if you just want to support the show any little bit counts you can also follow us on instagram our thing is c.3 podcast in case you want to follow there's nothing posted quite yet but by the time this comes out i will have added some posts on there so you can go ahead and give it a look and hopefully we'll get facebook page going tiktok page I don't really do Twitter or I, I use it other than to watch like I, I get on Twitter to watch fight videos and inappropriate things. So I don't think I'll be setting up a C3 Twitter, but maybe if that's in demand for. Thank you for your confession. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. I enjoyed that. Uh, everyone uses Twitter. It was really good Twitter. eye contact. <laughs> Twitter became the new Tumblr once Tumblr got rid of um, inappropriate content, but um at some point in the near future i would also like to start doing merch and everything it just really depends on how this goes so again support the show if you want to see those things come down the line because anything you give to us is gonna go back into the show at the moment and our futures our futures have no hope right now please support (laughs) us Cue Sarah McLaughlin sad music <laughs> for in just the five dollars a month. You can save this gay and this banker from working from retail. Jordan's rendition of In the Arms of the Angels may or may not end up on Spotify at some point. Um, please support me. Yeah. I definitely want to be a singer. It's actually my goal. I'm just using this to put me out there. I'll sing at every the end of every podcast. Actually, I won't. Please don't. I didn't even go over the tiers. So yeah, first tier, you gain access to all the content, right? I also want to do, this is where the crippling depression comes in. For the $5 a month, I want to have people send us advice questions and us give advice. It's going to be drunk advice and we're not legally qualified to give advice, but we're going to do our best. And so if you want to do that five dollars a month and then for fifteen dollars a month not only do you get the advice you get to pick a cocktail you get to pick two cases if you want or you can just pick a topic and then we can pick the cases and with that being said please sign up because i don't want to work retail anymore and that's on murder this is a cry for help thank you for listening period (laughs) 